Welcome to another session with the Market Dominance Guys, a program exploring all the high-stakes speed bumps and off-ramps of driving to the top of your market with our host, Chris Beal from Connect and Sell and Corey Frank from Branch 49. Training and coaching are essential for the rookie cold caller, and that's an important part of the life work of today's guest, Bruce Lee Wolt, founder of both Joy AI and Blast Learning. But as our hosts, Chris Beal and Corey Frank, remind our podcast listeners, even the most experienced and successful cold callers also need coaching from time to time. They can suffer from an inadvertent tendency to drift away from the prescribed plan, the script, tonality, and emotion that they've been trained to use, one that generally elicits a prospect's response of, sure, tell me why you're calling. Bruce agrees and says that sales directors need to listen to calls and give feedback and coaching to all salespeople on a consistent basis. Because it's human nature to drift away from what you're taught to say and start doing what feels easier or more comfortable or putting your own cool personal stamp on it because that's the way you roll. It's not your call to make. So note the caution in today's Market Dominance Guys title and don't get lost in your rock and roll and drift away. Would you mind saying your opening in character again all the way through, Bruce? Because I really like that. We certainly have used that here about the blast learning. Because I think in character, hearing your intonation and your modulation, I think really helps convey that message. Sure. So, Corey, I, I'll have the list I've categorized by what you are. So I know that Let's you're a nursing a dean, administrator yeah, for a dean um, of a nursing school. Uh, one of the medical schools. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So, Corey, I know my call's an interruption. Can I have just 27 seconds to share how we could help your students? So with that there, I'm getting the vast majority of the time, sure, (laughs) okay, go ahead. And I'm listening then for what kind of reaction that is really carefully there. I'm listening for the real emotive. I'm listening for the fun. (laughs) Go ahead. Yeah, sure. Go ahead. And then I'm matching that. Then it depends. The words that I'm saying are somewhat dependent on that, but the key is that I'm matching the emotion of that, right? So we'll let's do the one that's emotive. We've discovered a breakthrough here that solves the problem of retention for nursing schools. And when other nursing colleges have worked with us, they've seen dropouts decrease by 92%. So in that part, I'm getting at the thing that after a while, I discovered that is the biggest pain point for anybody that's a dean. And by the way, if it's not a pain point, then they're not a prospect for me. Then I don't care. If no, it's Harvard and we graduate 100%. I don't care. Okay, fine. Tell me. Tell me no, that. But virtually everybody else is really concerned about student retention. And then I'll go into a value proposition when they give me, of course, the 27 seconds, right? They've given me time to to now talk. Basically, what we do is we turn a student's cell phone into a digital tutor that follows them around and every single day figures out what they should do and how they should study. So literally they can be in the car and say, Alexa, open study blast, and it'll start quizzing them in the way that builds durable long-term memories. But I love your tonality. I love the emotion, the verbal disfluency, just enough of a stammer for endearment. And it doesn't sound like the 153rd dial of the day. Right. It sounds never, like it's- I, I'm never completely competent in this role. There are other salespeople I have trained 
it is sharp and to the point. Okay, sure. so I train people for a big company that has three letters in their name. Everybody expects them to be very competent and the authority in there. Therefore, I needed people to step up emotionally. Don't most that. companies have three letters in their name, Chris? Yeah, there you go. Okay. Well, it's like it's like this. Did you know that most people have more than the average number of legs? <laughs> That's just math, though. That's just math. <laughs> Sorry, oh, very Go good, ahead. Chris. Yeah. Right. So, Corey, I think the the interesting thing there, and just kind of transitioning a bit. So, you've learned all these things. You've figured out tonality. You've figured out the words that work. You've figured out the emotions that work. Then, how do you take that and transfer it into a sales team? And what I did here is I didn't hire salespeople first because I didn't know for sure yeah. the characteristics of the salespeople I needed to hire. Mm -hmm. Do I really need somebody that's very, very self-confident coming into this? this? There are certain roles where I really do need that. A lot of self-confidence, really resistant to rejection. But the more self-confident coming into it, in many ways, the less trainable they are, right? Because the other side of that coin is I really know what I'm doing and I want to stick with it. And you know this better than I do. What I did is I came to you and I said, look, I've figured this out now that works for me. Now I've got to figure out how to make it duplicatable and how to train it. So you were with your people, then we took it and we trained it. Well, your people all come with experience. If I was somebody who had never done this myself before... I would have had no credibility, but I had credibility. I knew what worked. I knew what didn't work and could come through and train it. And even that, my words of training come across differently. People hear things from their own perspective. Everybody's got to frame the glasses that they look through. They have different colors in them, right? And so whatever I say, they see it a different way. But if I hadn't had that background of doing myself, I couldn't work with them and really train them well to be able to duplicate it and understand that they can't be clones of me. The gal you have calling for me is doing a phenomenal job. She doesn't sound like me, but was able to communicate to her and coach her on taking the emotions and adapt it to her voice print. And that's what's working really great. By the way, I haven't told you this. So she set an appointment last week. We did the first presentation and we today was the second presentation and they need it badly. And, and uh, you know, we closed the deal on it based on one of the cold calls made. And this is someone who has only been calling for us for two weeks. So it can happen very, very quick. You so I got a question. So Bruce, you're going through the training of her. When we're doing anything, there's always a bottleneck in a process. There's always a sticking point in the training, the place where you kind of get a little nervous. I've taught a lot of people to swing a golf club, and there's always a point in that process where I think, are they ever really just going to let go of their wrists and let yeah. the club head accelerate? Or are they just going to hang on until they're hanging onto the side of their casket? You know, There's a feeling in me when I'm training people that makes me a little bit uncertain. It borders on anxiety. Is this going to work? Because it's not like cutting up an apple, right? I get up in the morning, I go get an apple, I got a sharp knife. I am 100% sure that that knife's going through that apple. But when I'm training somebody, they're not an apple. I'm not quite 100% sure I might run into something inside of them that they're <laughs> unaware of and I'm unaware of that gets us stuck. Did you run into that kind of thing at all or did you just cut the apple? I guess I didn't have the expectation 
that I would cut the apple to start with. So I knew that they were going to take it from their framework, interpret it. And it's only through coaching once they started that I could actually mold it into what works because they hear me, they think they hear me, they interpret it, they think it'll work this way, but it's like, what's the thing? Nobody ever survives a sock in the nose, whatever the saying is, right? <laughs> so, um, but until they get out there and do it, they don't really experience the feedback, the thing you were talking about, your Zen thing. So the number one thing when you start a new salesperson is you have to listen to their calls on a consistent basis. I can't tell you how many times, hundreds of sales managers I've worked with, they never listen to calls. It's insanity because the salespeople will get off by a little bit. So one person was doing really well and I was listening to calls and then they start, stop doing really well. And it was imperceptible. It was a few words that they changed and a tonality that they had dropped in the middle that was really important. And to them, they didn't understand those words, what those words really meant to a dean of a nursing school. These words were really important. Uh, but would you understand them? We also offer next generation questions. That would just go right over your head unless you're a dean of a nursing school and you know that the licensing exam is going to be filled with those and you're freaked out because your nursing students don't know how to handle these critical thinking type of questions that, by the way, if you're in any other profession, this is where all professional examinations are going from this rote multiple choice to how do you think in the profession? And so, and that's one of the things we train on. So didn't make sense to her, but as soon as I picked it up, I was listening, I said, oh, you've dropped these words, add them back in and we'll all be good. So listening and coaching is incredibly important. We'll be back in a moment after a quick break. Connect and sell. Welcome to the end of dialing as you know it. Connect and sell's patented technology loads your best sales folks up with eight to 10 times more live qualified conversations every day. And when we say qualified, we're talking about really qualified, like knowing what kind of cheese they like on their impossible Whopper kind of qualified. Learn more at connectandsell.com. And we're back with Corey and Chris. I love that. By the way, we have a name for that at Connect and Sell. We call it Drift. And ah. drift is the one universal that we find in cold calling. Yeah. And I had an opportunity once to talk to Dan McLean. He was actually on the show with us talking about this. And I was driving across the Sierras on my, I don't know, 7,000th trip trying to get stuff over to Reno. And I'm listening to Dan and I'm thinking, is this Dan? None of this stuff was on script. None of the tonality was right. And none of the understanding was there. And I just dropped what I was doing, called him up. And I said, Dan, mm-hmm. I'm listening to a conversation of yours from three days ago. It's at 322. Go listen to it. You've drifted into outer space, man. Yeah. He said, no, I never drift. I never drift. I never drift. I am exact right on. So three minutes later, it calls me back and says, Chris, I have no idea who that was. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't even sound like me, right? And that's somebody who's an expert who's doing this 25, 30 times a day, who sells the stuff and he drifts. We have another guy whose drift is this. He adds one word. It's like I used to have a horse that would always start to turn its head toward home, even when we were three miles away. If we were going oblique down a wash, it was like the, the, it had to pull me. It was out by your place, Corey. 
you know, those big washes out there and they don't exactly parallel the road and the horse is like, pull. Yeah. he would pull, well, this guy works for us, I'll let him remain nameless, to add the word a bit to soften up the beginning of his opener because he is awkward feeling being the problem. Mm. To embrace being the problem was just too much for him. He's kind of a rough, tough guy who believes that it's okay to be the problem, but he actually inside doesn't think it's okay to be the problem. (laughs) (laughs) And so he says, you know, I know I'm a bit of an interruption and boom, hang up. Yeah. But we hear that so often, don't we, Chris, on the 27-second permission-based opener. They're going to put it in all in one bucket. All their curmudgeons and cynics will put it all in one bucket. And I'm a big, and I think we all three of us are here, on the performance of it, the musicality, the authenticity of it. And so that little word a bit, we have folks that they'll learn the screenplay, and they'll say, change it from 27 seconds to half a minute or 30 seconds. And they say, well, what's the harm that's done? So, Chris, you're the expert. This all emanated, right, our thousands. So what is the harm that is done from that novelty perspective by just changing that one little bit of the intro to, can I take about a half a minute versus, can I take 27 seconds? Or how about a a quick minute? There's one. A quick minute. Just open with a lie. Go go ahead, lie right off the bat. You (laughs) don't sound like a salesperson. It's multifold. I mean, for one thing, you've given up something that, is really valuable, which is a precise number that gets somebody curious. And it's like, well, why 27 seconds? Well, there's curiosity just built right into that thing. It makes them not pay attention, like look up, kind of pay attention, but kind of cock their head. Oh, yeah, 27 seconds, right? So you've given that up. You've just thrown that away and you've become uninteresting. For another thing, when you say 27 seconds, you sound like you mean it, like you're making a real deal with somebody. It's real. You're going to stick to it. When you say kind of a half a minute, they know you're lying. Like you, you can't hold somebody to kind of half a minute, but you can certainly hold them. In fact, you can come back and say, no, but I'll give you 17. And yeah. you got to know what to do when they say that, which is fantastic. Tell you what. Yeah. And then you just go there, right? You thank them and you go because they don't have time for anything else. It's funny, you know, Chris Voss talks about this that odd numbers are important. Odd being not odd and even, but odd being different. Because if you mean it, what are the odds that the right amount of time to do something is also a round number? They're almost zero. There's another thing in my mind, too, though, is it gives me the first marker that I can put in there as soon as possible to judge the emotions, this person's emotions are. So really, I should back up their personality because I'm going to mold to their personality. Right. I live in their world, not mine. I mold to their personality and rather than expecting them to pull to mine so I could communicate. And can I have a 30 seconds? Okay, there's, there's there's nothing really to react to there other than yes or no. But 27 seconds gives a world of different options. <clears throat> like they can laugh at it. Okay, they can figure it's a challenge. Okay, g- g- yeah, 27 seconds, go. That's a different personality than the, sure, go ahead. The empathetic, sure, you go ahead. It's a different person. And the more, the sooner you can get a handle on that person's personality, to go back to Corey's point, the sooner you can have an authentic relationship with that person about their needs in their world, because you're selling in their world. 
and you interrupted them. It's your responsibility to be in their world. And that's how you start to figure it out. Yeah, Chris, what do you call us the playful curious, right? The can Bruce come out and play type of tonality? Is that what I'm after? Is that the best way to describe it? Yeah, that voice, I think, is a can you come out and play voice. It's kind of funny, too, because at the same time, you're very seriously offering a solution to their problem, which is you. It's actually kind of funny that you are the problem and that you recognize it. Almost all great comedians have something early in their shtick that lets us both laugh at them and with them at the same moment at themselves. Laughing with somebody at themselves is one of the most collegial, embracing, we're together things you can do with somebody. Acknowledging that the situation is a little funny, right? It is a little funny. I know I'm an interruption, but that's got to be hard and flat because I got to throw myself under the bus. And then that playful, curious voice. And Bruce, what, what you did is so interesting is there's at the very end, when you said students, you went slightly down in the intonation, very slightly down. So it was playful and it was curious. And then it was a quarter second of a deadly serious. Like, I mean this, I actually, yeah. this is something I, I mean. It had your voice gone up at that very last moment it would have sounded like you were asking for permission. But what you were doing was making a recommendation. And that recommendation is about something really important. And to me, that's where this game is played. It's played in those quarter seconds or so. And we listen to Cheryl Turner sometimes around here for fun. My fiance, Helen, and I were listening to her once because Helen was thinking of calling, I think it was all of the VPs of HR of Honeywell. Right. Using connect and sell. There's like a hundred of them. And we made a list and came up with a script. Didn't know if it was going to work or not. It was really fun though, because she hadn't been through it. I said, before we do this, let's listen to somebody who's a true master. So we're listening and listening. And and I asked her, what do you think after about 20 conversations? And she said, I get it. The secret is in the micro pivots, the emotional micro pivots in which she picks up on something and changes just a little bit to be a little bit more with that person. And it's that little chuckle or that little pause or that little agreement or that whatever it is. And they happen fast. And I call this the sword fight in a dark room. It's pretty dark in there. You got to hear where the steel is hitting the steel in order to know what to do next. And then it starts to get a little lighter and you start to have more of a chance to kind of fight on an equal footing, so to speak. Not opposing the person. I just think that my point is, it's not languid. It is not slow. Mm-hmm. It's You may be speaking slowly, you may be speaking quickly, but what you're going to hear and react to, you don't have a lot of time to do that. That's what makes cold calling is such an athletic business. Selling a big idea to a skeptical customer, investor, or partner is one of the hardest jobs in business. So when it's time to really go big, you need to use an uncommon methodology to gain attention, frame your thoughts, and employ a successful sequencing that is fresh enough to convince others that your ideas will truly change their world. From crafting just the right cold call screenplays to curating and mapping the ideal call list for your entire TAM, Branch 49's modern and innovative sales toolbox offers a guiding hand to ambitious organizations in their quest to reach market dominance. Learn more at branch49.com. Never miss an episode. Go to any of your favorite podcast venues and search for Market Dominance Guys 
or go to marketdominantsguys.com and subscribe. Subscribe.